0: hi everyone hope you're doing well thrilled that you could join us today as we share god's word together and today we're continuing with our series good kind of different a series that is based around one corinthians and is firstly intended to remind us that following jesus should influence every area every aspect of our lives and secondly this series is intended to inspire us to live lives that are different In a good way so good in fact that others recognize it and aspire to live the same kind of lives themselves you know the truth is everybody lives for something everyone wants to feel like their life matters and so we all in differing ways spend our lives trying to convince ourselves and often and convince others that we are significant that our life matters The problem is most people are trying to find significance in all the wrong places. You won't find significance by pursuing status because you'll always find someone who's just that little bit further up the social or corporate ladder than you are. And you won't find significance through your salary because again, you'll always find someone who's making just a little bit more or a lot more money than you are. You won't find significance in success because you'll always find someone who's achieved just that little bit more in life than you have. And you won't find your self-esteem in your looks, because you'll always find someone who is better looking than you are. The Bible tells us where to find significance and meaning and purpose in life. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. He says, We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Before you were even born, that verse says God planned in advance good works for you to do. He created you with a purpose in mind. Good works were part of his original intent and creative plan for your life. And to do those good works, God has given each one of us certain gifts talents, and abilities. So what are those good works that God prepared in advance for us to do? How do we discover what they are? Well, 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10 gives us a little bit of a clue. He simply says this, each one should use whatever gifts he or she has received to serve others. There's a little bit of a heads up for us around the good works that God has called us to do. Each one should use whatever gifts they have received to serve others. Those abilities that you have, those unique talents that you have, are not for your own benefit, but for the benefit of others. God didn't give us those abilities and gifts and talents so that we could serve ourselves. He gave them to us so that we could serve others. And I want to suggest that that significance, that meaning, that purpose that people are looking for in life is found in serving others. By getting on with the good works of serving others. You know, for the first six months of our married life, this is going back 30 odd years now. uh, First six months of our married life, Vanessa and I had the privilege of house sitting a friend's house in Light Street, Bar Beach. It was a really tough gig. We were about a three minute walk to Bar Beach. And we uh, were there for six months, so it was, it was a fabulous start to our married life. Our responsibilities were few. We needed to ward off any potential robbers. That was Nessa's job. Uh, we needed to water the garden, mow the lawn, and look after their dog, Sooty, a black Labrador. Imagine, though, if when our our friends came back six months later, ready to move back in and said, hi, we're home. Imagine if we said, oh, sorry, we've decided we're not leaving. We've decided that we're staying. I've grown quite fond of my new house, so we're staying. I've got really used to my comfy bed. I like driving my new car and parking it in my garage. And I've become quite attached to my dog, Suri. Imagine if we had responded that way when they got home. Imagine if I had acted as though I was the owner of the things they had asked me to look after. But you know, we do this all the time in life. We act as though everything we have belongs to us. We act like our career, our job, our money, our abilities, our home, our car, and so on, we act as though those things really all belong to us. When the reality is, they belong to God. He has entrusted us with certain abilities and gifts, and with those gifts and abilities, we make a life for ourselves and we acquire certain things along the way. But if you scale it all back, if you strip it right down, apart from what God has given us, we have nothing. God didn't give us what we have so that we could serve ourselves. He gave them to us so that we could serve others. And, you know, there's a word for living life with that mentality. There's a word for living life with that perspective. And it's the word ministry. The word ministry. And it's a word that is often misunderstood. Many people, when they hear the word ministry, think of ministers, pastors, priests, etc. The paid professionals. Someone uh, said that pastors are paid to be good, but the congregation is good for nothing. Now, I would never say that. I certainly wouldn't say it about New viners. You guys have got to be good for something. I'm sure of it. So what is ministry? Well, simply using your gifts, your time, your ability, your talents, your resources to help somebody else in the name of Jesus. That's ministry. And you know, in the Bible, the word ministry and the word service are the same word. The word minister and servant are the same word. If you are a follower of Jesus, then the Bible says you're a minister. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, male or female, you're a minister. Not every Christian is a pastor or a priest, but every follower of Jesus, every Christian, is a minister. The challenge is trying to figure out where it is I'm meant to minister, discovering what my ministry is. And it seems that some people in the church in Corinth needed to be reminded about the proper way to use their gifts. And so Paul writes this letter to encourage the Corinthians to use their gifts in a different way, in a good kind of way, a way that would be less about themselves and more about others. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 2, Paul says this, This then is how you ought to regard us, as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the mysteries God has revealed. Now it is required, Paul says, that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. So the first thing I want to talk about out of this passage is that we are servants of Christ and others. As followers of Jesus, God has prepared good works in advance for us to do. But really those good works can be boiled down to, firstly, us being servants of Christ and others. And Paul says here that to serve as ministers of Christ, we must first of all serve faithfully. We don't have to do it perfectly. We don't have to serve spectacularly. But we do need to serve faithfully. And what what is it that would motivate us to serve faithfully? What would motivate us to be faithful to God in our ministry and service of others? Well, I want to suggest that it's simply knowing that our ministry matters. Knowing that we're making a kingdom difference, a good kind of difference to the world around us. You know, if we're honest, most of what we do in life really doesn't matter. What you do tomorrow probably won't matter five years from now. But if we serve God the way he intended, that is going to matter. That is going to make a difference. In 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58, Paul says this, Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing that you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Let me repeat those words. Nothing that you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Paul's saying everything you do in serving God and others matters. It doesn't matter if it's a big task or a small one. It doesn't matter if it's visible or invisible to most people. It all matters. You know, many years ago, there were a couple of teenage boys that went into a church service. It was packed out and they couldn't find a seat. And so these two young boys decided that they were going to leave. But one usher saw these two teenage boys and he said to them, whoa, whoa, hang on a moment, stay, let me find you a seat. And so the usher looked around the auditorium and he found two seats and he took these boys to those seats. You know, that night, those two boys gave their lives to Jesus because that usher had helped them find a seat. One of those boys was named Billy Graham, a name familiar to many of us. And millions, if not tens of millions of people have come to faith through the ministry of Billy Graham. But what if that usher hadn't taken a moment to find those two boys a seat? The usher played his part, albeit a small part, in not just one, but millions of people coming to faith in Jesus. And the truth is we will never fully know this side of eternity what difference our contribution has made to the kingdom of God. We will never fully know what difference a seemingly minor act of service on our part has made in the lives of others. But we all have the opportunity to make a difference, to use the gifts and abilities God has given us to serve others in Jesus' name. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, it says this, speaking about God, He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him and how you have shown your love to Him by caring for others. That verse reminds us that the way we show our love to God is by caring for and serving others. And you know, a lot of people say they want to serve God, but in reality, they just don't want to serve God others that however is impossible you cannot serve god without serving others in fact the way we serve god is by using what we've been given to serve and care for others so let me encourage you to take seriously paul's words here first and foremost what you've been given you've been given by god in order that you might serve others and in so doing Do the good works that god has prepared in advance for you to do but not only does paul remind the corinthians here of the need to faithfully use what they've been given to serve others he also reminds them of a second important thing and that is that they need to be stewards of the gospel they need to be stewards of the gospel in verse one he says uh, that they've been entrusted with the mysteries that god has revealed So what mystery is Paul talking about here? Well, he answers that for us in his letter to the Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 3. Paul says this, God himself revealed his mysterious plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. And this is God's plan, God's mysterious plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. So, not only are we called to be faithful servants of Christ and others, we're also called to be faithful stewards of the gospel that was revealed through Christ. A gospel that was preached by the apostles and a gospel that's now been entrusted to us. Paul elaborates on this thought in verse 6. Of, 1 of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 here. He says, Now, brothers and sisters, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, Do not go beyond what is written. Then you will not be puffed up in being a follower of one of us over against the other. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? You know one of the great dangers throughout church history has been teachers of god's word who want to go beyond what is written those who want to twist the word of god to make it support whatever it is they want to say and the result is that the gospel gets watered down the result is that jesus gets watered down the truth of god's word gets watered down and consequently just as in paul's day People today are divided about which teacher they follow, which podcast they're going to listen to, or which version of the truth they're going to embrace. And Paul reminds us here that we've been entrusted with a great treasure, a mystery revealed to us in Christ, one that's been written down for us. And later on in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians sorry, chapter 10, verse 11, Paul says to the Corinthians, the events recorded in the Bible were written down to instruct us, to teach us how it is to live in these last days. Paul says a similar thing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16. He says, everything in the scriptures is God's word. All of it is useful for teaching and for helping people and for correcting them and showing them how to live. And yet despite these verses which clearly indicate to us that the Bible has been given to instruct us and teach us how to live, some people want to redefine what it is the Bible says and they want to reinvent what it means to be a Christian. They're doing the very thing Paul said not to do. They're going beyond what is written down in order to come up with their own version of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And Paul says, if we are to be faithful servants of Christ, faithful stewards of the gospel, then we need to be faithful to what has been revealed rather than being puffed up with our own cleverness and thinking that we can do a better job of understanding God's thoughts than those who God revealed those thoughts to in the first place. And Paul uses the wonderful tool of sarcasm here uh, to, to, toward those who claim to have some special revelation. And the sarcasm is unmissable. And for those of us who have the gift of sarcasm, it's not at all wasted on us. Listen to what he says in verses 10 and 11 of 2 Corinthians 4. He says, Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honored and we are ridiculed. Even now we go hungry and thirsty and we don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and have no home. In other words, Paul is saying to those who arrogantly seek to usurp his authority and undermine the gospel, he's saying you seem to be enjoying the accolades that come with preaching some profound new spiritual insights while we continue to suffer for proclaiming and defending the true gospel. How convenient for you. You know, there have always been and there will always be people who want to make the gospel more palatable, more comfortable, and more inclusive. Or to say it another way, there will always be a market for those people who are preaching a gospel that is less confronting or less demanding or less intolerant of other religions and philosophies. As Paul indicates here the apostles faced all sorts of hardship and persecution why well because in large part they were prepared to be faithful stewards of the gospel because they were prepared to protect and present the gospel message even if it wasn't popular and why were they prepared to do that well in verse 20 Paul says this the kingdom of God is not a matter of words But of power. Paul is reminding us that the gospel itself is a thing of power. And all the clever talk in the world, he says, is not going to change people. All the rationalization and attempts to be politically correct, to tailor the message to the expectations of an audience, only empties the gospel of its power to transform lives. Those people who want to put the emphasis, Paul says, on their clever speech, on their powers of rhetoric, on their persuasive ability, are ultimately relying upon their own power, on human power. But if we stick to the gospel that's been passed down to us, this mystery of God's grace that's been entrusted to us, then we will see God's power at work through it. We will see God's power at work through the various ministries that he's prepared in advance for us to do if we stay true to the gospel message that is meant to accompany those good works. So in closing, let me encourage you in a couple of ways. First of all, let me encourage you to use the gifts and abilities that God has given you not just to try and make a better life for yourself, but to make a difference in this world. The world around you can be different, a good kind of different, if you commit to using what God has given you, the resources at your disposal, the the things that he's entrusted to you to serve others, to care for others, to build up his church and to grow his kingdom. And if that's... You, If you'd love to know how it is that you can better use what God has given you to serve others and build his church and grow his kingdom, please come talk to us. Talk with one of the staff. Talk with one of the ministry leaders in our church. We would love to help you invest what God has given you in a way that's going to help you find significance, but more importantly, going to help you discover what the part you have to play in the greatest endeavour on the planet, the growth of God's kingdom. Let me encourage you, get in the game. Don't be a spectator. Don't be distracted by lesser pursuits. Pursue this high calling and opportunity you have to serve others in the name of Jesus. But as we go about serving Jesus and others, let's also be faithful to stick to what's been revealed to us in God's Word and rely on God's wisdom, not our own. Rely on God's power, not our own, to work through us in order to make a difference. In our world, we're going to talk more about God's power next week, the supernatural power of the kingdom that accompanies the gospel, and how it is that that power is a vital ingredient in us seeing God's kingdom advance. I hope you can join us for that message. God bless you. Have a great week. Look for opportunities this week to serve others and be faithful to sticking to what's written in God's word. It is the power of God that will bring others to faith. God bless you.